this episode of What's the Hazard is being brought to you by these incredibly generous true believers in workplace safety and health. And I am truly grateful for their support. Custom Concrete Specialists, CCS Group, and Cheyenne Wolford. My buddy Jim Cover down at the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group. Jim and all of his consultants. John Falowich and Falowich Construction Services. And our latest sponsor, Building Omaha. Building Omaha is a partnership between the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the IBEW, and the National Electrical Contractors Association, NECA. They pair highly trained electrical professionals with industry contractors to ensure they're able to serve customers safely and effectively. Building Omaha, the partnership that powers our city. Learn more at buildingomaha.org. Thank you all. We appreciate your support. All right, now let's get into this episode. Uh, This is Doug Fletcher, and you are listening to What's the Hazard? It is February 25th, Friday, here in Omaha, Nebraska. Colder than shit this morning. Zero. (laughs) Zero coming up. Can I get an amen on that? Oh, my God. It was freezing this morning. And I'm a pretty cold-tolerant guy, but, man, this was a little different. I took my dog Chuck out this morning to go to the restroom, or I guess we'd call it the restroom. It's my front yard, actually. And uh, he just looked at me, turned around, went right back inside. (laughs) So I'm afraid of what I'm going to come back to this afternoon when I get home, but... Hey, uh, you're listening to What's the Hazard? This is our podcast about workplace safety and health. I've got a new friend in in the studio this morning, Alex Rourke. We have actually just met uh, literally a few minutes ago. Um, I met, I came to know of you uh, through LinkedIn. Yep. Actually, we're part of a safety group on LinkedIn, and you had posted something that I found very interesting, and so I just kind of reached out to you, and you agreed to come up and talk about it. I appreciate that, man. Yep. Um, you are the safety coordinator for White Castle Roofing here in Nebraska. Yep. Or regionally. I'm, I'm sure White Castle is all over the country at this point. Seems like you're enormous. But um, I would like to hear a little bit about how you got into safety, man. How, how You're know, a young guy. Yeah. You are, you are the target audience for this podcast, truthfully. And so um, I'm interested to see how you got into it, how it's going, what you think of it. Well, I got into safety. I've been at White Castle since June of 2020, so I'm definitely okay. new to safety as a full-time gig. Um, prior to White Castle, I worked for the city in Lincoln as an equipment operator, and the last year I was there, I kind of took over safety duties at our shop, doing trainings, PPE, kind of inspections, incident management, that sort of thing. Um, on the flip side, I also have been a volunteer with Lincoln Lancaster County Emergency Management for almost eight years now which is really similar. It's what I went to school for. I had my bachelor's degree in emergency management. It's the same thing. It's about recognizing hazards and mitigating them or responding to them. Same thing as safety. Yeah, man. Interesting. And when I was at the city, I was just looking for a change. White Castle was looking for a safety coordinator. Um, I started in June, which is prime roofing season, so I really hit the ground running. I mean, <laughs> right. I had... With day two, first you can't in- you can't say hit the ground yeah. in the roofing business necessarily. Day then. two, first injury. Day three, we had one of our guys total a truck, and it was they they were surprised I made it past my first week. Yeah, um, but it's been a learning experience. I mean, I was an EMT ten years ago prior to moving to Lincoln, so I had kind of the safety mindset. Came to White Castle, and they had I wouldn't say an issue with injuries, but they had it was. It was routine. Injuries happened a lot. And it was a learning process trying to find that balance between first learning how they were handling things and then best way to manage them. And so we went from 20 injuries in 2020 to five injuries in 2021, lowering our total incident recordable rate down to 3.0, which is industry average for roofing. That's fantastic, man. And And as you said, you you kind of came in mid-year in 2020, so you didn't really have a lot to do with that first half of the year. And it it was hard because I didn't want to come out like guns blazing, being that hard-ass safety guy where I'm just here to write you up and that kind of thing. I wanted to – I mean, I knew a lot about roofing before, but I didn't want to come in, oh, here's that outsider telling us what to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of observing everything, finding my niche. And I didn't, I never really wanted to be, like, I kind of knew safety, what it was, but I didn't want to be that, that safety enforcement. I wanted to be safety as a learning process. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, write-ups is, I mean, they're inevitable, but it's not my go-to thing. If there's an issue, I'd rather figure out the root cause and address it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Interesting. And, and, you know, that's an interesting comment because in the construction world particularly, that's often not the case. I think in the construction sector, 
policing is often how we approach safety. Yep, it is. And, sometimes and I think that's a mistake. It's been difficult. There's a couple GCs we've worked with here, um, one in Omaha in particular. I happened to be on site that day watching the crew do something, and he came up and he start, He literally pulled out what looked like a ticket book and started writing them up. They were too close to the edge. And I was like, well, hang on, let's talk about this. And he goes, nope. Kicked him off the job site for two days, and he wouldn't address it. He wouldn't let me address it. And I said, if it was a serious safety issue, it would have been like I would have handled it. But the fact that you, you'd rather go straight to finding somebody and kicking him off the job site, that all it's going to do is piss people off and it doesn't address w- what you saw as the violation, when in reality it was kind of in one of those gray area things where he was working on a roof and he was at a warning line and he lifted up the warning line to spray adhesive on the roof, didn't step across it, but lifted it up. And to him that was a violation. And to me I'm like, well. I think you could argue that. Yeah, I mean, what? What are you trying to accomplish with safety? Is safety in my goal? You're trying to make sure everybody goes home. You're not trying. You're not trying to make sure thing, things like catch people. It's not mm-hmm. the gotcha attitude. I mean, I think you've said it before. Where go, having a day with no violations is a good day. It means you're doing something right. It's those. I mean, approaching it the way that you you ensure like a day like a boring day is a good day in safety absolutely I mean, so <laughs> yeah uneventful we yeah. like things uneventful and it's true it's been it's been a challenge sometimes like there's some gcs that are easier to work with i mean we do on our commercial side we deal with general contractors a lot and mm-hmm. some are easy to deal with they're, they're safety guy call me hey alex we got a problem other ones they want to kind of grandstand about it and be like hey and email half their management team and say oh you guys are violating this i'm like oh well who isn't but <laughs> that you know that is uh, that, that's absolutely true i see that all the time yep. i love that phrase grandstanding because that's often what it seems like mm-hmm. when they're shouting and waving their hands and stop stop or yep. you know there were safety guys in the old days that used to make a point out of going around and just cutting bad cords and yep. doing all of this grandstanding mm-hmm. shit that i think is ridiculous frankly yeah and but, it's at, you know, and it does i don't think and like I said, I think it just it makes people more angry. And so you don't want to be the safety guy that everybody hides from. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think any of my crews will say, oh, Alex is coming. we got to fix everything now. I mean, I usually go and I'll spend a couple hours. On, I can spend a couple hours on a big job site and just watch, hang out, help, whatever it is to just kind of be there and see what they're doing. And if there's issues, address them, but mm-hmm. not just show up and immediately start yelling or cutting cords or anything like that. Right. Well, this is kind of the paradigm that we've been preaching for a couple of years on this program is that, you know, we need to figure out a way to provide a quality product as safely as possible or mm-hmm. produce a, or a, what is it, you know, provide a quality service as safely yeah. as possible, whatever that is. Um, it's not always about compliance. Right. I mean, compliance is an important part of it to the extent that mm-hmm. we're able to be compliant, but that's not, no. the end of what we're trying to accomplish. And there's times I sit there, especially like laying in bed or driving back from somewhere, and I think about, like, well, there's things I should be doing and other things I can be doing better. But what comes down to it is if I'm reducing the injury rate and nobody's getting hurt, I think that's the most important thing. Absolutely. I mean, if the less injuries we have, I mean, that's that's at the end of the day, as long as you go home, you might go home tor- tired and sore, but as long as you're not hurt, that's right. the end goal of every day. Yeah. So I would, I would I agree, mean, man. Leave in one piece. Yeah. That is the goal. So it's, I mean, it's been an interesting ride and it's, it's definitely fun. It's funny. Like, like you said, I'm young to safety. I'm new to safety. And it, you, you go in places and sometimes you see there, it's an interesting mix. There's a lot of senior guys in safety and there's a lot, there's some, a lot of up and coming new guys in safety. And it was funny. I actually, the first kind of introduction to safety, it was probably back in 2015, um, through emergency management, I was taking a, an incident safety officer class through FEMA in Lincoln, and I was the youngest person in the class by probably 30 years. Mm-hmm. But it was also fantastic in the point where there was 20 people in this room with, I mean, there's probably 500 years experience in this room, mm-hmm. everywhere from ind- industrial safety to a lot of emergency safety, like fire services and that kind of thing. And well, the biggest takeaway, the number one takeaway I learned in that class was you don't have to know everything, but you have to know somebody to somebody or you have to know how to get it mm-hmm. so that's why i've made my entire career man just know the guy yeah that you knows don't, you don't need to know every every regulation and everything but having access to it or knowing where to look and getting it quickly or if somebody asks hey do you know this i don't know but i can figure it out mm-hmm. i mean well, it's, well, well so let me ask you a question man so 
in one year's time, you basically dropped your incident rate, your recordable incident rate at White Castle from 20 incidents the first that first six months, essentially, really, but that yeah. year, the calendar year 2020, uh, which was an odd year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 2021, you said you had five. Yep. What, I mean, you, you can't do much in that time no. period. What did you do? you think that made made a big difference? There was a couple things. One, we implemented a telehealth option as kind of our first response to injuries. Um, we signed up with a service called Ortho Live where they would they would essentially do a FaceTime for an injury. So you're either, you're going to put in your employee either face to, or on the phone face-to-face with an OSHA-trained athletic trainer or an orthopedist. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those injuries, I mean, if it's a laceration or an obvious broken bone, you know, yeah, this is how we're going to treat it. There's a lot of those injuries where, hey, my knees bother me, my back's hurting. What do I do? And it's you got to find that balance between I need to get them treated, but I don't want to treat them too hard too early, where it's going to take them off work for two weeks immediately if I take them to urgent care, or make it a recordable. So with OrthoLive, with I can set it up within the longest I've had to wait is 45 minutes to get an appointment. They meet with the person, they'll run them through a medical, a quick medical history range of motion, find out about it. They can give them recommendations. Like usually it's a, a rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation, and then they can do follow-ups. So 24 hours a day, even if it's somebody out in the field, I'll, I just got their information, send it to them. They'll visit the specialist online and then I'll get a, they'll get a diagnosis, a treatment plan, follow-ups, and it's not recordable and it's not a worker's comp injury. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we use that probably two dozen times and with good success. With good success. Like. Yeah. And it, it was, it was remarkable. I mean, a lot of people were pretty apprehensive, especially some of our older guys and say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to be with the doctor online. And they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. And it works out because they, you get that feeling where there were, we're making sure they're being treated, but not jumping the gun. And then if ortho live decides that they need to be seen, then we'll go the traditional route. We'll take them to an orthopedic person or a chiropractor or whatever, we, whatever necessary. Like a, no, a local occupational yeah, health yeah. provider or something. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so how did, how did you get the guys to tell you about, I mean, this is an early intervention yeah. strategy, obviously. Yep. How did you get the guys to report this stuff? How did you convince them to come forward and tell you about it? Were they pretty good about that? Yes and no. I mean, some of it was a foreman, like a foreman, a superintendent being like, Hey, this guy says, my back hurts or my knee's killing me today. Other times it's when I'm out on a job site and like, hey, they'll just make a comment like, hey, my knee's bothering me. It's like, let's get, let's get you checked out. Well, I don't know if I need to. Let's just get it done now. So it starts, puts it, puts it on paper so we know further down the road it becomes a more serious issue or we can address it quickly now and it doesn't have to be a problem. Right. And so right. we'll figure it out now. I like that. And there was only... There was two people I dealt with. One was he was 55, old guy, been roofing forever, and he hated it. He didn't want to do anything with technology. I mean, I'm sure this was his first smartphone in the last year, and he hated it. Another guy, was he was a younger kid, and he's like, no, I need to go to urgent care. I think I broke my hand, and he didn't. But once he said, I like, once he was dead set, I'm going to go to urgent care, it was. Then you really can't refuse no, him that probably. No. He's like, well, then we'll take you where we normally go. Okay. And a lot of it was just making my presence known, I think, and kind of addressing our issues, the, some of our biggest issues in 2020 were we had two bad ladder falls. One was before I started, and that was a significant one. Another one was late in December, and that was almost kind of a freak accident where a guy had set up a ladder on a deck, and those composite decks get slick, mm-hmm. and you don't even realize it, and the ladder slipped. And so we that's what I hit hard last year was we're not going to have any ladder injuries, and we didn't. We had no falls, wow, we had no ladder injuries. All of our stuff was material handling. Mm-hmm. And even some of them were just basic, like one guy dropped a sheet of plywood on his foot. Yeah. He had steel toes on, but it didn't matter. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. So I like that. So one of the things that I encourage a lot of my clients to do is then, you know, look at your injuries, look at your 300 logs mm-hmm. and pick something, just pick something, yeah. a contributing factor or an issue like you just described ladders and really go hard mm-hmm. at it. I think there's a lot of residual benefit to that. Even though you're focusing on the ladder safety, there are, you know, the mindset. Mm-hmm. You're changing that because of that intense focus or that emphasis, whatever. So 
you know, pick one and go after it, man. Eye injuries, hand injuries, whatever that is. Yeah. I think there are residual benefits to that. We also, we introduced a safety incentive program last year, which I know it's a, like, it's one of those things OSHA's always kind of frowned upon. And we did it, so we had to kind of pick what we did, and we use an app called Company Cam to kind of manage everything, where you document everything out the, throughout the day. And so our basic one was, if your whole crew takes these pictures every week, so if you're on a shingle crew, I need to see pictures of your anchors, your ropes, and your ladder Monday through Friday. And if you do that, your whole crew will get $10 each in safety bucks that can be used towards this one website to buy branded gear. So I've not heard of this before, and I love it. So go through that again. You called it Company Cam? Company Cam. It was actually started by Luke Hansen, who is – so Mike Hansen started White Castle with Steve Beagert. And has three, he has three sons, Mike, Luke, and Dane. Luke is his oldest. Um, about 10 years ago, they were looking for a way to manage fo- photos and documents, m- mostly photos, as a contractor. And so Luke developed Company Cam and has now become a public app. That So this is something I could use? Oh, yeah. A dozens of contractors use it. Roofers love it. So it starts from when your salesman goes out to a, his first job, like to sell a roof, He'll take pictures of the house, and it's 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 an app. It's almost similar to a social media app. He'll take pictures of the house, and then it, it's viewable on anybody who has the app that's logged into your company's account can see it. And then when the crew goes out, they clock in, they show up the app. Like, you take pictures at that job site, and it's tagged, geolocation. And then if they take pictures, they can you can tag people just like social media. You can write comments on it and tag somebody. So if I can sit on my phone and see all our crews across the state and I can see if they have an issue, I can write a note that says, Hey, you need to address this right now. Tag them. It'll immediately notify them mm-hmm. just like any and other what app. are you ask- So talk about that incentive program. What were you asking them to provide you? So on a regular job site. So if there were shingle crew, make sure every day you need to take pictures of your anchors or your crew roped up and your ladder three feet up and mm-hmm. tied off. Right. Basic, the like basics. just the basics. And then yeah. if you're on a flat roof crew, same thing. Show me your guardrail system, your warning, warning lines, warning lines yeah. and then your ladder too. And they would do that daily? And if, as long as they did that all five days, the whole crew would get $10 each in safety bucks at the end of the week. Love it. And Love some, some crews really bought into it. Some crews didn't. But I think it, it did make a difference. And it made them think just, hey, they're watching. So we got to take these pictures mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And I think that helped a lot too. I love that, man. Um, and it was the, it was trying to find like originally like somebody in our leadership team said, well, why don't we just reward them for not having injuries? I said, well, that's the big thing we can't do. Yeah, truly. That's the one thing that <coughs> is trying to discourage yeah. people from doing is yeah. the, the, uh, under reporting. Yes. Yes. It discour- yeah. Yeah, it discourages I said, that that's absolutely what we can't do. It has to be, but I think what you're doing is absolutely acceptable, man. Positive yeah. reinforcement, encouraging those mm-hmm. good behaviors. That's really good. I like that a yeah. lot. And it was, I mean, it was fun. There's some guys who get really excited about it, other guys. And, I mean, either A, wouldn't take them or would just pass them to somebody else in their crew. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the year when they were buying stuff with them. One thing that did kind of suck is when they bought stuff because of everything else and shipping delays, They it was an immediate gratification. Like, it took mm-hmm. a while to get the products they ordered. But, I mean, there's everything from t-shirts to dewalt tool sets to mm-hmm. carhartt gear so mm-hmm. you earn enough i mean through the company store sort i mean yep. this was like yep it's okay. through a company called Sportex safety and a lot of big companies use them mm-hmm. and it's the same idea and so you like you as a company you don't even have to pay we don't pay them anything i mean for the web store we don't you all you have to do is pay for shipping on the actual sport safety buck coupons i mean you don't pay anything until somebody buys something. I, mean, I love it. So it was almost stupid easy. Like, yeah. No, that's fantastic, man. Do it. And no, like, what's the what's the risk? Yeah. I mean, even if it gets one guy to start buying in better. Completely. So I completely agree. So, wow, this is really good, man. This is one I hadn't even expected. <laughs> this is fantastic. Um, I want to talk about two things. Number mm-hmm. one, you've been doing roofing, and roofing has traditionally been a pretty challenging mm-hmm industry. Yep. As a former OSHA guy, um, I can remember in 2010 when the agency changed the regulations for fall protection in residential roofing mm-hmm. from the old day, you know, the old alternative guidelines when we allowed 
roof jacks, slide guards, right. you know. And that was it. If you were lucky, if a guy pounded a two-by-four in the eve, you know. Um, to, you know, post-2010, the residential guys had to follow the same rules as the commercial guys. Yeah. And, man, everything went to shit. That was uh, uh, insane. I can remember going around the state of Nebraska giving instruction to these different roofing groups, MOBA and some of the other roof, the house, you know, the home builders and stuff. Right. Um, and just telling them that we were basically changing their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was difficult and there was a lot of resentment. So I would like to know technically what is the most difficult aspect of safety technically, and then talk about administration and what are the challenges that you face with like having these multiple crews out mm-hmm. all over the region administering a safety program technically i think some of it is i don't know if it's buying i think it's doing it i mean we have a lot of roofers and some superintendents who've been doing it the 20 30 years so they did they started the before before we kind of did the safety this regulations for them to kind of follow it and then well if they're not doing it why do we have to do it mm-hmm. is our biggest issue mm-hmm. and so that like they all know the safety i mean they all get trained on it they all get tested on it and they know I check on it, but there's times there's definitely kind of a, there's sometimes there can be a disconnect between like, I know management white castles, like we don't have a set safety budget. If it's something that we need to do for safety, we do it. The management team, our CEO, COO safety, it gets done. All the new guys, they know safety, they understand safety. And sometimes there's some of those old superintendents who is like, yeah, we know how to do it, but they push productivity over safety. Sure. And that's I struggle sometimes. It's one of the, the the difficulties I find. It's like, well, what am I do, what am I going out there to do if they're not going to reinforce the same things I am? Mm-hmm. But it's it's getting better. I mean, I will say I've been stopped multiple times when I check, especially on shingle job sites where homeowner or neighbor will be like, "You're the only crew I see wearing ropes and harnesses on a roof," mm-hmm. and that's rewarding. I mean, uh- have you found, because in the old days, and I'm going to say the old days, 10 years ago, yeah. the argument was always, you know, the unequal playing field. If we're doing this, the cost mm-hmm. to us is different than the cost to the company that's not doing this. Yeah. And there was a lot of pushback as a result of that. But it's obvious that White Castle has embraced this yeah. and has absorbed that cost somehow. Yep. I mean, we... we We've gone back and forth with subcontracting some subcontracting some shingle jobs, and some of our subcontractors. That's what they'll they'll approach us. Be like, well, none of our other uh, contractors make us wear it, and it's like, well, we pay you more to do it. I mean, so if you don't want to do it, then we're just not going to hire you. Mm-hmm. And most of them realize that we've had some that they come, don't want to do it, and they leave. Other ones, we've, there's a couple we've had for years, and they do it. I mean, they don't always do it well. Like I know. If we show up on a job site, they'll all have harnesses on and have ropes on the roof. They might not be connected. Mm-hmm. And I'll get them back on. And then there's times, I mean, uh, by the time I hit the truck, I can hear those ropes hitting the roof. And <laughs> right, right. I try my best, but for the most part, I mean, they do it. So, but, so the other part of this is you're working with grown men mm-hmm. who know their business. They certainly know how to put roofs on. Mm-hmm. Uh, tear them off, put them back on. Yeah. They know that shit. And so I, I agree that is an incredible challenge to manage that, right? I mean, right. you know, um, keep them focused on it. Appreciate the importance of it. Uh, appreciate the risk. I mean, yeah. guys that do this for a living don't feel the same risk that I do when I'm on my roof. Right. You know, like a cat, you know, yeah. dug into the, excuse me, into the shingles, you know. I mean, that's like, they'll be on the 412, 612, even 812 roof, and they're running up and down it. And then it's, they like, everybody will say it, oh, impedes them. It slows them down. It's like, yeah, it does. I mean, like, any 412 roof, you can play basketball up there. And once they start hitting 1012, 1212, 12 and up, then yeah, they're always, they're pretty much always roped off at that point. And even, mm-hmm. it's surprising me sometimes I'll show up at a 1212 job, and there's guys running around on the peak with no ropes on. I'm like, you're nuts. Mm-hmm. But, it's just, it's one of those things where you can't approach them like mom and dad, hey, you need to do this or else. Sometimes you have to approach them as, you know why you should do this, kind of. Mm-hmm. Explain to them, here's why. I mean, what if you do fall? What if, I mean, it's kind of the what if. And just kind of play that game. You got to find, so some guys respond better to being yelled at, I guess. Some mm-hmm. guys respond better to just 
chatting with them privately and reason and Mm -hmm. figuring it out. I mean, and then there's some guys who just aren't going to do it. And usually we'll just part ways with them at that point. Yeah. There's somebody would hire them. Yeah. (laughs) They can work somewhere. Yeah. So, (laughs) and them and then the, the commercial guys, it's hard to, I think one of the hardest issues is roofers is they'll be on a big job site and I get calls all the time. You guys aren't wearing hard hats. And I'm like, I tell my guys, I know you're on the roof, nothing's above you, but you still need to wear a hard hat on their job site. Right. But what's going to hit us? Oh, we had that a couple of years ago. We were out doing a big 2,000-square roof in Hastings, and one of the guys was doing some flashing under a AC unit and stood up too fast and whacked his head and got a laceration. Yeah. So well, there is reasons you do wear it. I mean, yeah. and, and sometimes you can if you explain to the GC, like, hey, it's 95 degrees out there. It's really not doing doing anything if if they're going to be bending over and stuff yeah we'll make sure it's on but if they're just running back and forth on the mm-hmm. roof right let's try and work i get it that out. i but do get that man absolutely it is hard to sell that in the absence of a hazard you know and i know from the standpoint of managing a program it's much easier that if you walk onto the site you put all this ppe on mm-hmm. you know you walk through the gate you've got your hard hat on get out of your truck put your hard hat on i get that it makes it much easier to manage as a GC, probably. Mm-hmm. But I think to some degree, it defeats us a little mm-hmm. bit as, you know, identify a hazard, assess the risk, you know, mitigate. Yep. And if we've removed that from the equation, I think to some degree we're, we are uh, give, doing a disservice to our employees yep. at times. So I'm not an over-safety guy all the time. I don't love... Right over safetying things necessarily unless it's really indicated and i think that's a circumstance where you know you're pounding lath in the ground to lay out a job and you've got your hard hat on it's just going to fall off if you're bending over all the time yeah it's a it's a tough one man yeah. it's a tough one one of the funny ones or stru- difficult ones was it was summer 2020 we were doing a big job site up here in omaha and it was kind of when masks like when masks were really starting to get pushed and the GC said, you guys need to wear, be wearing masks i was like it's 95 degrees outside they're up on the roof no other trades are around them why should they wear masks? That's a danger because you're going to, that's, you're risking your heat injury at that mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they need to be wearing masks. I was like, that's the same crew working with each other. There's nobody else around. If somebody else comes around, we can put masks on. And he goes, well, if they're working around each other, they should have masks. I was like, they ride up in a truck from home or Lincoln <laughs> all the way up here together. They're the same four or six guys. And so I finally came, I finally just said, it's almost more of a safety hazard to put that mask on when it's that yeah. hot. If another trade is around or if your inspectors are around, yeah, we'll put them on. But you got to, like, think about your alternatives. A, I mean, your risk is already – it's already there. It's not getting worse by them not wearing them. And B, you're also increasing significant risk in that heat heat injury. And I know that's going to become – it's becoming a bigger issue. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like. Hear the rumblings from OSHA. That's their next big focus. Right. Which which is really scary, man, because – the, uh, you know, within the regulatory community or even the consensus communities, the ACGIH and mm-hmm. some of those other organizations, they view heat exposure uh, much more aggressively or intently than those of us that actually work outdoors, yeah. you know, and I, I'm a little bit worried about what they come up with. Yeah, if they come up with some of those regulations that say you can't work over this heat over this temperature, certain mm-hmm. temperature or heat index, I mean, that's that could debilitate us oh absolutely I mean, something yeah. like that i mean that's all of july and august i mean what do we mm-hmm. do yes i mean yeah you can kind of do that early work you can try and come in pre-dawn and do some stuff but then yeah it's hard to roof in the dark it is so not to mention <laughs> you know yeah well i do know i i can remember that when we started uh you know enforcing the fall protection guidelines a little bit more stringently mm-hmm. when i was with osha you noticed that the roofers were working in the non eight to four thirty Monday really? through Friday hours, they were working evenings, weekends mm-hmm. when the OSHA guys weren't working. It was just this little cat and mouse kind of thing yeah. we played for a little while. I think it's easier just to try to do the best you can and mm-hmm. comply to the extent that you were able. Yeah, you know the majority of the time, and uh, things work themselves out. But yeah, I mean it's that's like you said, you play the game. I mean, you, you can't always do everything to the letter of the law necessarily. Right. But totally agree. You also got to kind of find that balance between compliance and reality and best interest yes i mean if if they're being mostly compliant 
they're not getting hurt, and OSHA does show up, you kind of you can kind of have that conversation. Well, here's where here's our history of this. Haven't had an issue. Mm-hmm. Here's where we're at. They're mostly compliant, and you kind of hopefully yeah. you can get some right understanding. I guess I would it. agree. Yeah, and, and I completely agree with everything that you just said. I, I think that is the balance that we have mm-hmm. to strike. And when when we refer to this as a game, we don't mean to minimize the potential risk or harm that an injury could cause, but to some degree, it is a game of sorts that, you know, we are trying to appear as compliant as possible because that's what OSHA is focused on, compliance, unfortunately. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, Our interest is just making sure these employees are safe and, you know, going home in one piece, and that's what we're trying to do, and we have to strike that balance can be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's times it's, well, do this. Well, why do I need to do that? Well, it's because that's what they tell us we need to do. Well, mm-hmm. who tells you that? Well, OSHA. And you guys know who OSHA is. Mm-hmm. Some of them get it. And other guys, it's like, well, nah, it doesn't matter. Right. And so you, it's, if you, you can't approach it with a, a hammer, you got to kind of right. approach it with soft hands. It does take a nuanced yeah. approach, I think. Yeah. Well, so. The technical side is interesting to me, but I think the technical side is oftentimes easier than the actual management side, mm-hmm. the administrative side. And so you came up with something that I found very interesting. This is what I saw on LinkedIn. Yep. Um, talk about that. It's an old, uh, kind of a relatively new solution to an old problem. Mm-hmm. So when I started at White Castle, our SDS management was lackluster. I mean, I had a box of a bunch of SDS sheets, didn't have a binder, didn't have any anything anywhere and so started tracking on stuff during the summer but obviously during the prime roofing season I don't have a lot of free time so once winter hit I did a full inventory of our entire warehouse and everything we use and all our products I mean the nice thing is is in on our commercial side we're only we only install Carlisle brand products so it's easy um, track down all of it created a Google Drive folder or multiple folders into an SDS inventory of everything we use been kind of sitting on it for a year, told everybody, here's how we get to SDS. You got to get on Google Drive. Any, anybody who works in the company should have access to it. Um, and then about a month ago, a month and a half ago, one of our superintendents is, says, hey, Alex, can we get copies of the SDS sheets and the job boxes that sit on our job sites for a commercial mm-hmm. or our commercial job sites up on the roof? And I'm sitting there thinking, well, these job boxes can sit up there for a year, sit out in the elements, paper SDS sheets aren't going to work. So I kind of pondered about it, and I was like, how do I get access online? And so I created, went to a website, created a QR code that provided access to our Google Drive folder, and then messaged, we have an in-house graphic designer and vinyl printer, and I said, hey, can you print me off decals of this QR code? And that provides everybody access to it. And so we started putting QR these QR decals in every job box, so... All it takes is anybody with a smartphone can scan that QR code and it'll pull up your Google Drive folder and you can either search for the name of the product or go by a residential, commercial, general and find that product. And then everybody has access. And some people have said, well, what about job sites that don't have phones? And well, I've only, we've only been, anytime we've had phone restrictions, they usually allow one phone. I mean, it's just because we tell them we have to use company cam. Mm-hmm. Or there are some people who don't have smartphones and then you got to work around it and you got to say, well, mm-hmm. theoretically they shouldn't be by themselves and somebody else around them should have mm-hmm. access to mm-hmm. it. But it's, I mean, everybody's been pretty excited mm-hmm. or under, understanding and gets it. Um, right. So let's, let's talk about the, so I just learned how to scan a menu at a, mm-hmm. at a restaurant about a, a year ago. I was right. actually having to ask for hard copy, you know, menus. And my kids are looking at me like you're an idiot. You know, so one of my sons took his took my phone and pulled up the camera, mm-hmm. put it over the QR code, and all of a sudden I had the menu. Yep. I was like, "This is freaking amazing!" You know, yeah. and you um, even have one on your your water bottle right there. There is. Oh hell, there is. What 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 is that going to get me? Probably access. I don't know if you need an SDS for smart water. <laughs> something but to smart water though. But something it, to smart water. I mean, I think a lot of it has helped since COVID. The same thing. A lot of people have gotten access to QR. I've seen QR codes mm-hmm. in the last year, whether it's Remember, we showed up on one job site where we had to do a, a – every employee had to do a daily check-in that said, oh, I don't have a fever, I don't have this, and it was scan a QR code when you get on the job site. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people are getting to be – So every employee had a QR code? Well, the, the job site had 
a, a sign. So when you came in, you scan the QR code and it would open up a website. And so you put in your name and phone number. Oh, and so you would just complete that. Those just questions. Complete that. Oh, I love that. Okay. So t- tell me how this works. Okay. So you've got all your SDSs in mm-hmm. Google drive yep. in folders. Yep. And then I've got a QR code. How does the QR code get me to this folder? What is the mechanism? So is it an app or a software it, or something? No, it opens up your internet browser. So that was a nice thing with Google Drive. You can select kind of your viewing audience. Like they have to have the link, um, have to be logged in. And then I, so when I created it, I didn't have the permission set right. And so I started putting posters out and somebody goes, hey, Alex, that tells me I need to log in. And so I go, well, I got to figure that out. Mm-hmm. So I changed the permission. You scan it. It, brings, it opens your internet browser and it'll show... White Castle SDS inventory. Gotcha. And there'll be, there's commercial, residential, maintenance, and then there's some like random ones like gasoline and mm-hmm. that are just loose. Mm-hmm. And then, so you can either, or, and there'll be a search bar at the top on just like Google. So you can either search based on what product you know it is, or you'll go to commercial and pull up the Carlisle list and say, oh, I need that adhesive. Gotcha. And it'll, it's, I mean, that way you have it. So whether you need to just view it, show it to an emergency responder Right, bring I mean, it to the hospital with yep. you, whatever the case might be. Yep. Or just interest. Yep. Just an employee's interested in knowing mm-hmm. what the hazards of that chemical are, perhaps, or... Which they should be. I mean, uh, we try and tell them, like, especially as foreman, like, you at least should know your primary ones. Like, on the commercial side, your roofing adhesive, you should kind of know some of the general stuff about it, since right. you're working with it daily. I, that's kind of what I believe, mm-hmm. man. I, just know what you've got that's toxic, what's flammable, mm-hmm. what's corrosive, yeah. just the basics. You don't need to be a chemist. No. But those things are valuable. It's yep. important to know. Incompatibilities are important to know. Don't mix this with that, yep. that kind of thing. And so, and then on the other hand, I also, so I updated our HASCOM plan to reflect that we have this access to it now. Mm-hmm. And then have been, we need to do our update our annual HASCOM, or we do an annual HASCOM refresher and uh, Shane Unger, I mean, mm-hmm. comes out and does yeah. it. And we've yeah. had to postpone a couple of times between COVID issues and then the, with the weather that we're supposed to do this week and it was so cold nobody worked so I know, man. nobody came out so Rough. next week and but i've talked to a lot of the crews about it so they kind of know it's coming and know what it is mm-hmm. but for the most part you've gotten a pretty good response to this yeah. so you got this qr code on the job box mm-hmm. um you could put them anywhere yeah. so so as i and i'm not a big thinker man okay yeah. but as i'm envisioning this there are a lot of applications for this mm-hmm. i mean we see that out in the world there are as you said there are qr codes everywhere right. and so any anytime you have a document management issue or you want an employee to have access to a form. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to a buddy of mine, Cody Hoover, over at uh, Jack Links yesterday, mm-hmm. and I mentioned that you were coming on today to talk about this QR code thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, dumbass, we use QR codes for reporting near misses. Right. Like in the back of the, on the door in the toilet stall, there's a QR code. You can be sitting there in the, in the restroom Scan the QR code. Be careful what you're doing with that camera, I guess. <laughs> Scan the QR code, and it'll pull up uh, a near-miss report, you know, an unsafe behavior, unsafe act report. Yeah. You can fill that out. Or they put them on, you know, on their break room tables. tables. They have all these QR codes for different things. You can open up different documents. You can make these reports. I had some guy tell me the other day that they use QR codes for tracking training. So every employee on the back of their ID has right. a QR code. And when I do a toolbox talk out in the field as a supervisor, I can just go around and scan, and I've got all my guys yeah. covered that were in the in the training. Yeah, this is just amazing to me. I mean, the QR codes on the emergency management side. One of the big things I specialize is we use a system called uh, Salamander, which is a QR code based system where it's, it's it's adopted nationally. FEMA adopts it, where so you you get an ID code or ID card that has a QR code on it. Your equipment gets QR codes. Your fire truck gets a QR code. So when you open up, you have an incident, you can open up the app or website, scan that QR code. I'm on that. I'm on that incident now. So when it comes to the back end, when you try and get that FEMA reimbursement, mm-hmm. you have a, a log of all the time you were on that person was on scene. So like, because everything has a value, a person, an engine company, a tool, everything has a value that can be reimbursed. Mm-hmm. So. And it's just good for tracking. So I've helped out at Husker football games, tracking resources where everybody has a QR code. You can put them in an organization chart so you can see where everybody's assigned. So, Q, I mean, QR codes have become really popular. Mm-hmm. So just, I mean, in, in any, any small business, small company, I mean, you mentioned this in the elevator on the way up. 
um, these safety management systems yep. that you can purchase. Yep, and that's uh, that very was, expensive, oftentimes prohibitive yeah. for most companies. Yeah, when I looked at kind of how to manage our SDS system, I mean, I looked. There's tons of those apps and websites and everything out there, but they're expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. they'll have the base cost, but then if you need the enterprise level where everybody has access to it, call for a quote, and then you, you know like, <laughs> you're screwed. Yeah, and yeah. the way I mean, pretty much we approach everything at White, or, uh, White Castle is how much can we do in house without having to have somebody else do it. If we can build it in house, let's build it in house. So, I mean. Like I said, I've been sitting on this Google Drive folder of SDS sheets, and now the QR code gives everybody that ready mm-hmm. ready access to it. Yeah. What else can we use this for? I mean, just do you have anything in mind that you want to? I mean, you could do this for inventory yeah. of all your ladders, your fall protection equipment, yeah. slings, everything that you have a, a need to inspect periodically. Yeah. How do you track that? Paper documentation, nobody does that shit. No. I've been inspecting this shit for 35 years. Yeah. Nobody does it. And I, I definitely think I'm going to do a lot more with it. I mean, we, I mean, have used, we use a system, we use NetSuite now to track just about everything from sales to inventory. We just switch from an old system to a new system over the winter. And the nice thing about it, NetSuite is you can build everything you want to with it. So like I have the superintendents doing site inspections or their audits with it, then I can pull the data and then we can also track our inventory with it. But like you said, trying to do inspections, like, I mean, I, when I did harness inspections, a month ago and I had to go through 150 harnesses. I mean, I, I just did it on paper. Mm-hmm. I mean, wrote down and now it's in a Google sheets or Excel folder files. So I can at least view it and write down all the serial numbers and inspecting, but, mm-hmm. and then documenting the poor, the damaged harnesses or whatever. Right. But right. it's definitely one of those things where, especially once everybody understands and adopts it, we can do it for everything. Yeah. I mean, like you said, for inventory, I mean, Training, training, inventory, everything. document management. I mean, ninety-eight percent of people have a smartphone in their pocket. Yeah, and it's pretty user-friendly to try and scan a QR code now. Right. You used to need an app, and now I mean, I think I know Apple does. And I think Android. You just pull, open your camera. Yeah. And it brings up the QR code. Like it was that Super Bowl commercial where it was just a bouncing QR code, and everybody's wondering what it was. And I'm mm-hmm. sure most people scan it just out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. What was it? I think it was for one of the Bitcoin or... Oh, was it? Yeah, one of those... Well, I have to be honest, man. I I thought it was app-driven. I thought I had to have an app, and I tried to download an app once, and then it wouldn't work. And I'd be... You know, there's this restaurant in Denver that my wife and I go to when we're visiting one of our sons, and fuck, I could not get the menu, and I was so frustrated by this. (laughs) I I thought I was banging my head on the table, you know, and my kid is like, just open your phone, man. Yeah. Or open, yeah, open your camera. Open your camera. Open your camera. I mean, and that was the nice thing about it is with a lot of those manage the SDS management or safety management apps, you have to have an app for it. Mm-hmm. You pay for app access and people forget their passwords and it updates right. and that kind of thing. With this, it's web-based, so it's on. It's in the cloud mm-hmm. through Google. And as long as you have a camera and an internet browser on your phone, you can open it. You're golden. Yeah. And you don't need, like... Wi-Fi access, you can do this through the G, whatever that yeah. is, 4G, 5G. I mean, whatever that stuff is, right. it's up I, there somewhere. I mean, they'll say, like, well, I, I'm, I've heard before, like, OSHA will say, what, do you have a backup access plan in case cell service oh, or internet man. service goes out? And it's like, well, in that case, we're all kind of screwed with everything. Yeah, if, if, you know. If everybody loses cell service, then I don't know. Yeah, we've got bigger problems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, what do we do? But yeah. theoretically, somebody's going to have cell or internet access. Yeah. Yeah. To get to it. I mean, you know, that, that, that is a frustrating topic for me as well. This, um, you know, does everyone have uh, reasonable access? Yeah, I think if we're mm-hmm. counting on a phone-based system like that, I think it's reasonable to assume that the vast majority of employees will have access. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, could you find one person that can't? Yes, under any system. Yeah. Paper systems web-based systems and everything in between. There's probably somebody yeah, in Yeah, I mean, in you think of the old yellow SDS books. They were all in one location. So say yeah. you couldn't get to the location for whatever reason. Where's your ready access? Oh, yeah. And, I, I mean, when you have 12,000 SDSs crammed yeah. into binders um, with no reasonable way to purge those yeah. or to archive those things, nobody's going to find a data sheet. No. There, there is so much more 
likelihood that you can actually find a data sheet under mm-hmm. a system like this. Yeah. You know, I don't think we should discourage it. I think we should be encouraging stuff like this. No, and that's one of the struggles I had before was, so I do paper SDS sheets. Well, I have crews as far west as North Platte and into Iowa. And so I guess if they need access, somebody can call and somebody else can look it up. But then eh, they can argue that's not ready access. Mm-hmm. But with this, with either they have the decal or with company cam, I can put the QR code on the app and somebody could scan it off a different phone if they needed to mm-hmm. in a pinch. Yeah, so, so you mentioned something about um, NetSuites. So it's, it's one of those online ser- uh, a service. So everything's in NetSuite from our sales guys estimating to inventory to n- we can create anything we want, create forms that are well, fillable. Okay, so I'm interested in the, uh, the site assessment, you know, the, uh, so we, the site inspection. We created, I created both a, a near miss or a safety observation card um, for them to fill out that kind of has your basic options if it's an unsafe condition, unsafe act, and what happened and what could have happened. And then I also, we did a site inspection report that we want every superintendent to do either for every crew every day. So it's got your basic questions on safety side, your like ladder safety, is your ladder on stable ground? Is it three feet and t- above three feet and tied off? What safety system are they using? Are they using personal fall arrest, warning line, guardrail? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um it has, are there weather questions? Then it goes into some like more uh, sales questions or is the work order correct? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then they hit submit. And then I can, on the back end, I can pull up and see, or are they following this? And one of the basic questions is, are they fo- like, what is their safety system they're supposed to be using? And are they compliant? And if it's no, I can see and they'll write why, mm-hmm. what they didn't do. And then I can work on trending that. So if we can find, if we have a specific crew that's having issues, if we have a specific location that's having issues, or they're doing well. Okay. I mean. So do you build the forms in this then? Mm-hmm. You built the forms. Well, you, I didn't specifically. Had, we have a web designer. Or, okay, but someone is mm-hmm. building a form that they are completing? Yep, you can access it. They have it on their phone or on their computer. Okay, so, so all web-based again yeah. or cloud-based or yeah. whatever that. I mean, yeah, so you have an app on ether. your phone or you can do it online. Okay. And, I mean, it's like I said, we just switched to We used an old system before. Like, we switched over this winter. So it's been a learning process for everything. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing about this system is, it's. I mean, if you have your web developer or whoever build it, they can build whatever they want in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, that sounds very cool. Mm-hmm. Is there a way then, so if you have multiple superintendents filling out multiple site Mm-hmm. assessments every day is there data compilation yep i create like i created a report i'm still playing with it so i can sort it by the superintendent by the date by the time by location or by the crew or if it's just a if they're compliant or not if i just want to see the people who aren't compliant i can just mm-hmm. hit that and pull the report on that so you can find perhaps like if you have a high frequency of incompliance mm-hmm. in a certain area that maybe you can refocus some training yeah. or some efforts in that change training and then kind of go to that behavior based safety, go out and see why, mm-hmm. why we're having that issue. If okay. they're not wearing, if that crew is never wearing a harnesses, just go watch them for a while and see what the I issue is, why they don't want to do it. Yeah. Or if it's, they're constantly having warning line or guardrail issues, find out why. It's fantastic. I mean that way, cause I mean, at the height of our roofing season, we probably have between roof, com- uh, low slope, steep slope, gutter crews. We have over 20 crews, so I can't be everywhere. Mm-mm. I mean, I usually try and hit every crew once a week. Oh, that's tough. Man. I mean, it's, I mean, very tough. If you have an injury that takes two or three days on my week, kind of managing everything there. And so yeah. then you can't. So being able to see the pictures on company cam and then getting the reports from the superintendent means I don't have to be everywhere at all, right. at all times. That's fantastic. So if I want to be out in the field, I can be out in the field as much as you want, be as active as you want. If you don't want to be out in the field, if it's too hot or too cold, I can sit at the office and kind of watch it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but it, it keeps you busy, but a lot still allows you. So even if I'm at one place and somebody calls me and says, "Hey, Alex, we got an issue here," I can kind of see it and see it from a distance. Okay. Um, so you can show this to me sometime. Yeah. Maybe like company cam or even the net suites that you've got set oh, up yeah. on the safety side. I'd love to see it sometime, yeah. man. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll hook up and maybe just check that out because it is fascinating to yeah. me. As a dinosaur, I, I mean, don't. I can sit. So on, we, I have at my desk. I have two monitors. My left monitor, I pretty much keep on company cam during the day, so it, it'll just. I mean, constantly just pictures. Like on by June, it'll be pictures every few seconds. A new picture popping up from somebody, whether it's sales 
or a superintendent or a crew foreman mm-hmm. taking pictures of the job site so they'll take their progress pictures of the day. And as they're taking progress pictures, I can see, hey, that guy's not wearing his rope. And mm-hmm. I can say, hey, fix this. Mm-hmm. I mean, and do it quickly without. I love it, man. And, and then you almost kind of get some peer pressure to it, too, because everybody else can see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's funny. I'm like, oh, I saw you comment on here. Or my residential superintendents, they're like, they'll know I'm hitting residential jobs that day. So, like, they'll, oh, they'll see Alex is out in Lincoln today. <laughs> we, better, we better button up so we, can, we don't get busted mm-hmm. by Alex. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. That's cool. But sometimes that positive peer pressure is what it takes. Absolutely. I mean, we do GP. We have GPS units in our trucks, and they kind of trend. Like, it, it can tell us events. So if it's a hard brake, hard acceleration, cornering, or if they're speeding, and we pull a, pull a report at the end of the week, and so we started publishing that report, sending that report out every week, and it became, a for some guys, a positive peer pressure thing where, hey, why are you getting so many braking events this week, or why are you getting so many speeding events? And they'll fix it. Mm-hmm. I mean, recognizing those issues without being told to recognize those issues, yeah. and they fix it themselves without being told to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that, so, too. I mean, th- you know, those are incredibly more powerful than the policing getting yeah. back to the very beginning you know the negative reinforcement yeah you know the uh, gotcha thing yeah. it's just a, such a bad approach to safety yeah when i told people i was leaving the city going to be a safety guy at a roofing company and a couple guys were like you know everybody hates the safety guy right and i'm like hopefully not i mean we'll find out <laughs> right. i mean i'm sure there's days where yeah i, I gotta be the dick i mean i gotta write yeah. you up i gotta suspend you there because, are those days. because if you're not getting it, we got to figure out why, or hopefully you fix it. And if not, then we'll address that. But I'd much rather go out and be like, dude, you know, you're doing it wrong. And a lot of guys respond better to that than just coming Mm -hmm. out and being handed a sheet that says, go home. Right. I mean, right. I mean, and that way um, it's not being scared when Alex shows up. It's well, and there's something that you alluded to in the very beginning, man. There is an underlying reason why people make the choices they do. You know, why on that occasion have you chosen not to wear a fall protection? Yeah. Or why on that occasion did you not do something? Yeah. And that could very well be, it could be laziness. Mm-hmm. It could be um, disregard. It could be any of those things. But it could also be something that we have done or not done that mm-hmm. has driven them to that choice and we need to know that yeah one of the issues i run into like i told you we use the h2b pro h2b visa program where we'll get a decent amount of laborers from mexico and some of these guys have been coming back to to white castle for 15 18 20 years so they're there every summer Mm -hmm. and i've run into this both summers now where they'll start getting heat rash from the harnesses and they're like well we're not going to wear them and one of the guys it took us took us a while to translate this and figure out what he meant there was a spray that somebody got him that that helped it and it was a, it's a benzocaine based spray mm-hmm. that cools and helps it because they're like we'll just not wear them I'm like you can't just not wear harnesses mm-hmm. i mean i realize that's what's causing it but we can't not do it both for your safety and for compliance for the company so right. we went out and bought this benzocaine dermoplast spray mm-hmm. and that's helped them it's, I mean, work. it's yeah like you just got to recognize you can't just shut them down but mm-hmm. you got to find a compromise right so that they're still willing to work with you. Interesting. You know, that's the first time I've ever heard that. That's the first time I've ever heard that comment that in the in the heat of the summer, mm-hmm. the harness was causing a rash that discouraged guys from yep. wearing I mean, their harness. I mean, I've gotten heat rash before, and it's uncomfortable. They, some they, some uh, they call it, some people call it prickly heat, mm-hmm. and you get it, and they get it up on the shoulders. I mean, you're just wearing a t-shirt, and then it's rubbing on your shoulders oh, all yeah. day. Oh, and yeah. it's 100 degrees out, and you're it's humid in Nebraska. So, oh, yeah. That would and, drive you crazy. Yeah. And I, I've had, I haven't had it from a harness, but I've had it from other things, and I recognize that, yeah, that's uncomfortable, and right. you're not going to want to do it. Right. And But on the other hand, they have two options, either don't work and don't get paid, yeah. or, or actually, I guess, three options. Don't work, don't get paid, work and don't wear it, or figure it out, figure it out manage yeah. it. Yeah. So, trying to find that like it's that, that we'll work together to make sure that everything is done and get handle it right. and take care of you while still doing it. I mean, I realize it's not going to be comfortable, but it's not going to be quite as uncomfortable if we help, help you out do it this way. So we have any time left, man? How are we doing for time? I want to leave with, uh, do you have anything on the horizon? Anything you're working on? Any new technology, any new twists or anything or oh. any old school stuff? 
What's on the horizon for you? What do you want to do this summer? I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things where, like I said before, there's more stuff we could do, but haven't. I think it's a lot more training. I kind of, instead of just the regular, hey, monthly, here's what we're going to talk about, trying to bring it in more small groups. Show me, show me how you put your harness on kind of thing. Like, I know you've mm-hmm. been told how to do it, but I want you to show me so that way I can, A, inspect your harness, and B, make sure, ensure that you are doing it correctly. Because you may have been doing this for years, and I can see, well, you're not putting it on just right kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, I want to do some more small group stuff um, and just continuing education. I mean, I know I'm going to. So does that mean that you go to the crews and do that training, or do they come to you periodically? Both. Or how do you, how do you guys mean, handle training like that? Um, we So primarily we have three locations, Lincoln, Omaha, Grand Island. We do have an office in Kearney, but no crews are based there. So during the height of the season, we'll do the base training in Lincoln, and then I will u- we'll use Zoom or Teams to – for Omaha and Grand Island so they can view it. Um, and we'll get them the quiz ahead of time. And it's usually we pick two topics every month. So bloodborne pathogens and HASCOM or ladders and fall protection mm-hmm. and then go through it, do a quick quiz. Um, but yeah, I think I've done it sometimes where if they can't connect on zoom or something comes up, I'll just go there, either go to Omaha, go to Grand Island and train them. And sometimes I do see it coming out better than just bringing everybody into a room. And then with COVID, it's been difficult because you don't want to bring 70 guys into one small room to do this. And so we've foregone written tests some months just so, or we'll done, we've done safety training out in the parking lot, just Mm talk to them on the parking Mm -hmm. lot. So, but I think some guys do respond better to that small group. And so they can't just hide in the back of the room. Right. Right. And I do like the idea of the demonstration mm-hmm. principle that you just mentioned. One of the things that we used to do when I was with OSHA, if I wanted to evaluate your HASCOM program, for example, I would just ask an employee, can you tell me a little bit about this chemical and mm-hmm. get me a data sheet for this chemical? Just exercise the system a little bit right. to make sure that it works right. rather than flip through the program and all the other crap, man, you know, that's basically meaningless. But if I can get you to do that and you can respond correctly, that's a great testament to the program. So, because I mean, we have a written program, like every, all of our fall protection plans and everything, we have a written program, but not everybody's read them or knows them. They don't need to know them, but they need to at least know the safety aspects of how it might apply to them. Mm -hmm. So they don't need to know every, like when I write my safety plans, I'll put in all the OSHA regs as to why we do this particular fall protection they don't need to know that, but they need to know how do we use a fall protection cart, the Raptor cart. Mm-hmm. There's all these D-rings on it. You know you're only supposed to be using the five on the front. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're defeating the purpose. Right. So Excellent, man. It's the small corrections and kind of working with them to figure it out that way. Yeah. So now you're just basically refining what you've got in place rather yeah. than just adding more shit on top. Yeah. I mean, because... I think that's important. Sometimes it's... They're working in construction. They don't need to know... They just need to know how it applies to them. They don't need to know mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things. Right. And a lot of these guys, I mean, n- not to paint it a bad way, but they're doing construction for a reason. They don't. They might not be the most technically savvy person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just getting it there to them and getting them their basic needs is all you really need to focus on. Right. I mean, yeah, it's completely different from manufacturing. I mean, if OSHA shows up to us, it's because they've already seen us doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right. it's not, even if it's a programmed inspection, it's just, hey, Alex, OSHA showed up at the job site. All right, I'll come out and figure it out. Right, I right, mean, and exactly. If they show up, it's something's already been, yeah. something's already happened. Or, yeah, usually. So yeah, hopefully not too much. No, it's funny. Like we had in 2020, they hit our sub crews three times. Two of them were within two blocks of where one of the inspectors lived. <laughs> of course, man. So I know anytime we have a job site in that area, I will go check them to be certain be like you know he lives in this area so you're gonna do everything right today well all that information is public you could probably just create a map on one of your app-based systems Mm -hmm. that shows where all the compliance officers live so i mean and i've got a good relationship with them so it's fine but good that's i know anytime we have a job site that's in that general area i'm gonna go check it or in the morning just to be like hey we're gonna play things extra right today absolutely there's nothing wrong with that man play the game yeah and i'm sure if you have had any interactions with osha i'm sure they appreciate the approach you're taking to Mm -hmm. safety i know i would um i love what you're doing it sounds great Mm -hmm. some of the innovations are fantastic and uh 
things that are way beyond me. So I appreciate your coming here and sharing some of this stuff. There's a lot to digest here, man. So you may have to come back at some point if that's possible, if your boss doesn't say never again, you know, (laughs) I don't Um, think you will. Because this is, this stuff is fantastic. I'm I'm really excited about it and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you for being here. Oh, I appreciate you having me. If you do have any questions, you can reach out uh, Doug at FletcherSafety.com and send me some questions. I'll get them to Alex or, Mm -hmm. We can have them on again sometime and answer any questions you might have. Fantastic information. Keep up the good work, man. Thank you. And uh, it's going to get busy here yep. in another month or so. Although it hasn't really slowed down. We haven't really had winter <laughs> in Nebraska. I mean, I think this was the first week we had guys miss more than a day all winter. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be <laughs> Six, warm this weekend week. and 60s yeah. next week. It's just, I, I don't know what's going on, but uh, I'm not complaining, but it no. is crazy, man. There is going to be a. That other shoe's going to drop here at some point. But anyway. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Uh, Stay safe. Focus on the mission. And we'll talk to you next week. Later. A Huda Media Production.